Hello and welcome to Killer Serials. This is Tony Jones. This is Ryan Parker. And we are uh, joining each other through tubes and wires <laughs> and talking about television. Hey, we have, Tony, you have a lot of time on your hands now to watch more <laughs> television because... Don't we all? Yeah. Your twins are... Oh, let's not even... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Longest, longest playoff losing streak in the history of professional sports. I only bring it up not to <laughs> rub salt in the wound. I'm just saying that's a historic... <laughs> historically we talk about bad. history hey it's uh, in some ways that's television history my friend yeah see i'm tying it I, all together i did um try dipping back into the expanse last night um uh-huh. uh, i don't know trying I, a little too hard to be on blade it. runner we yeah. burned out on that one i have to tell you um yeah. Also, as you informed me before we started recording, your wife is away for two weeks. What shows are you going to watch? Should we start another killer serial? Well, that's why I started watching that because I thought, well, um, you know, Courtney's gone. She wouldn't watch that. I, I wondered, you know, if I, maybe I hadn't given it enough of a chance. And... I just, I watched an episode last night. My son got up and walked out halfway through, you know. Have you delved into what we do in the shadows? No. Funniest show on television. I've heard great things about it. I have also tried watching. I would like it. I've tried watching Away on Netflix. That seems like that's kind of your show. I mean, that's your spirit animal of a show. Which is another, yeah, it's like another space. It's Hillary Swank. But it's a little more of, um... Oh, I, yeah, sorry, Away. I was thinking of Alone. I'm sorry, I got my Netflix shows. Oh, I do love me some Alone. Yeah, I do love me some Alone. You need to interview those folks on your other podcast. I know, they only have the latest series of, uh, the latest season of Alone. The earlier seasons are tougher to find. Like, there are a couple on Hulu, which I can't get into because both the passwords you've given me don't work. <laughs> why, do I, why do they not work? Is it because Should other people are logged in? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't, how I don't did, know. I'll look online and see if I can find my password. But hey, I, tell me about a way because I kind of want to get into that. But somebody told me it feels a little soap opera it yes, looks like somebody dude, that's said hey, exactly that's exactly what i was gonna say it's a, bit, outer space. it's a bit soap opera e yeah the outer space part is just um just a convenient backdrop you know but it there's ah uh, it's just a little over the top the all the you know the the drama of the her, you know, her, her <laughs> fellow astronauts don't like her. And she's sad that, she, you know, she's away from her husband and he like has a stroke and they really amp it up in the first couple episodes. I might, I might give it another shot, you know, hey, it's, I, it's, skip yeah. that, skip that. We're doing, Hey, we're talking TV here. It's killer series. Yes. We're, we're going to yes. get to our main course in a moment. Skip away and okay. watch Ted Lasso on Apple TV plus it will be my favorite show of 2020 period full stop 
Okay, first End of all, sentence. Apple TV Plus. I think I actually did get a year of Apple TV Plus. Did you buy a device when I got a new, I got a new iPhone? But here's a problem, dude. I, I you want me to watch it on my phone? You want me to sit in front of my computer and watch it? I want to watch it in my living room on my Roku TV. And you can't you, watch you, Apple Plus. You don't have Apple TV. TV. No, I don't have Apple TV. I have a Roku. Do you have? Do you have a? Can you Chromecast or whatever? You could sign in and watch it on your computer and cast it up to your TV. I don't think. I mean, Listen, I. Uh, do you have a you have a computer? <laughs> Watch it on your computer. It's that I'm telling you, dude. It's uh, the best show, the best new show on TV. It's ten episodes. What's it 20 called? Twenty minute episodes. Ted Lasso. I'll They're try. Twenty it. minute episodes. You can knock it out in a couple nights. I'll try it. I'm telling you, you'll thank me. Okay. We'll be. You'll want to talk about it. On I this already podcast. have so much to thank you for, and you only have one thing to thank me for, and that's that bottle of whiskey you cracked open this weekend. So good. <laughs> we we each we took a we took a uh, an ounce, mm-hmm. we put it on a rock, yeah, and we put the bottle away. So we're going to save <laughs> these for special occasions. I love it. Well, or four years, so good. Well, speaking of alcohol, uh, Janet tied one on in this episode of Rectify. <laughs> and that first segue of the episode, I mean, of the podcast, uh, the, that's I my mean, nomination. She was, she she was is drunk. Great. She Listen, was drunk. She was, she was very drunk. Uh, it will be fun to see if we get hungover Janet, although probably next episode she'll be in uh, Nash Vegas. Um. Yeah, we're, so we're talking about the third episode of season four, Rectify, streaming on Netflix. You know what, Ryan? And I what's going that on with Janet? Ep- why is she well, why is she drinking? What's, what's I, I going wanna, on? I, I want to give a little bit more of an overview of this episode first because I think you know we've talked about this many times on the podcast when we've been breaking down uh, other shows, other seasons of other shows. This is somewhat of a transitional episode. Okay, I think because we've got a bunch of new kind of information, but none of it's resolved. So we've got John Stern going in and confronting Sheriff Carl and Sheriff Carl is kind of like acting weird for maybe the first time and not being forthcoming. And there's like another shoe to drop there. Okay, we've got Tawny in therapy she can't even say the word divorce, but she spells it out like Tammy Wynette and is, you know, thinking about is she, she's really at this crossroads. Is she going to divorce Teddy or get back together with him? We've got um, Daniel going to this art show and being kind of invited into this unconventional relationship with Chloe who is like seems to be kind of looking for a man to help her a platonic straight white man to help her raise I maybe not white a platonic straight man to help her raise her unborn child and we've got Janet uh given an you know a, a forthcoming offer to sell the store and the land on which it sits, the store that she runs, but that Ted and Teddy, you know, work at and and make all their income from. And you know, Janet would love like she's she seems now like she's ready to probably move to Nashville. 
so she can be close to Daniel. And that would probably be a real motivation for her to sell the store. And finally, maybe the weirdest, maybe the weirdest part of all, Jared taking photos of Furbies in the attic. <laughs> Checking in what on is Jared. That about? <laughs> Every time it cuts to Jared, it feels like there should be like a guitar riff, you know? <laughs> yes. It's know always exactly that, like, meanwhile, back saying. on the Ponderosa, it's like back wherever wherever Jared is, it's like, meanwhile, in an alternate universe. Yeah. Um, so so th- that that's my overarching view of this episode is I like every one of the characters is at a at some kind of a crossroads or decision or inflection point that is unresolved. And it seems like in the remaining episodes of the show, I mean, this is the final, final season and that all these are, you know, you do wonder like, why would they introduce Chloe so late in the run of the show? Like how, how are they going to tie that up? But um, I would say to, to your, you know, a little bit of unease with this episode, I think that it's got to be really tough to tell. You know, 401 took place in Nashville with Daniel. 402 took place with everybody else in Pauly. And now 403 takes place kind of, not quite 50-50. Would you say it's like 70-30, 70% Pauly and 30% yeah. Nashville? Yeah. And the storylines are, for all intents and purposes, unrelated, which makes for a bit of a disjointed viewing experience. So, I mean, it it's kind of like Ray McKinnon painted himself into that corner, having these characters in different places. Um, and, and, you know, there's reason for that, but it also is a storytelling challenge, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I listen, I've loved everything about this series, and there have been precious few, if any, episodes that left me wanting. This episode, I was just kind of cool on, you know, when it was over, Amy and I were like, okay. And unlike other episodes where you're kind of wiping away tears or uh, there's a cliff cliffhanger, but I think that's a great way to look at this episode, the way that you've talked about it as a transitional episode, kind of a setup, right, for the, uh, the last five episodes. And yeah, I think there's some, the crossroads that you talk about with, you know, Amantha, and we can talk about these individual if we want, but Amantha is with Billy and she doesn't take the call from uh, John Stern, which way is she going to go? Right. Um, Daniel is, you know, I want to come back to a point. Daniel's life is a crossroads. Every minute in his life is a crossroad. How is he going to respond? What's he going to do? And he's presented with this opportunity to uh, go to a therapist who specializes in PTSD and it's the first time we've heard that phrase directly in the series. You and I have talked about it. We know that's something that he's dealing with. So he has an opportunity to, um, how should we say, enhance his treatment, potentially improve his his well-being. But he's got to figure out if he wants to do that. His storyline in this episode was interesting to me because I think it touches on something that you've talked about before in terms of setting and what the characters do, the background, for example, you, you've talked a couple of times about how the Talbot slash Holden family never watches television. And you've speculated uh, that maybe that's intentional on Ray McKinnon's part to say something about that family culturally. 
and their position in Southern culture. I think there's a little something going on here with uh, Manny, Daniel and Manny, his new roommate. Mm -hmm. When Manny tries to invite himself to that art show and Daniel doesn't say anything, but he makes it very clear that Manny is not welcome. I, I read into that, some of that where Daniel has this sense of, even though it's Daniel, his social discomfort, so to speak, um, is also kind of like, well, I'm maybe a little bit better than you. Um, I don't want you there messing up my spot or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Did you read yeah. that into that exchange or well, do you think it's I just, just thought- the social awkwardness that, you know, was once again rising to the surface? I think it was pretty socially awkward. Um, here's, here's what I take, took away from that scene, which I really loved it, that little scene with the, in the, in the group home where they're chatting. What I took away from it was all those other dudes. Daniel used to be on the outside of the crew in that home. And then we saw him in 401 at the end of 401, sit down to play cards with, you know, that was really the whole storyline in 401 was Daniel um, trying to fit in in this new environment as well as his job at the warehouse and stuff like that, stumbling into the art warehouse and meeting Chloe. Now, here we are two episodes later, Daniel is on the inside and his roommate Manny is the one on the outside. And the other guys in the group speak up for Daniel and say, you know what? Maybe he's too shy to say or too embarrassed or too socially awkward to say. And that is like, Manny, bro, you have no <laughs> you have no business going to this art opening with Daniel. You can't invite yourself to that. Are you crazy? And I just love the... I mean, it, I, what I love about that scene especially is that Manny is... You know, he's he's in some ways chastised and in some ways coached by Avery, the, you know, the social worker who runs this group home. Which, what I liked about that is it has nothing to do with the plot. It has nothing to do with um, Daniel. It's just a little aside and it's great acting and great writing. And again, you and I have talked about this before, you know, in our, pastoral ministries and in seminary and doing our CPE and stuff like that, we ran into group home settings like this. And it's, it's just written so authentically that I really, I'm really fond of it. I really think it's great. I I really like the guys in the group home. I wish we had more of them. I know this is not their story and I know there's a limited amount of time and yeah, different, uh, you know, threads that, you know, the show has to rightfully and necessarily wrap up, but these, these guys in the group home are great. And especially the, 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 I guess Avery and then the other gentleman, is it, is it Mike? Maybe the self-appointed seems to be the self-appointed house father. Mm -hmm. Just their plain spoken is the way they, um, um, address each other, the way they squash any potential beef, as they say. And, you know, and the way Avery is quick to say, look, I'm not, and you remember you talked about this in the first ep, uh, episode of this season, you know, Avery's not, you can leave. 
right? Avery says, yeah. I'm not your boss, yeah. man. You can leave. And I'm not really the man. Giving, That's what he said yeah. in the last one. And now he says, That's I'm right. not the boss. Yeah. Yeah. Giving them their agency to, you know, take, take ownership of their life and their decisions. Let's talk about another, I don't know if we want to save Janet for the last. No, uh, I think we talk about Janet. I was just, I was just wondering that too. I was going to ask you what you made of Janet's back and forth when she gets this news about the potential sale. She says, oh yeah, tell Teddy he should be there at the meeting. And then she immediately backpedals and says, actually, no. Yeah. Don't tell Teddy. And Ted's like, basically WTF. Like, this, why wouldn't we tell Teddy? He runs the freaking store. Yeah, there's so much here that I think it, you know, we can kind of even use this as we, the back half of this episode, because this is really the heartbeat of this episode. I mean, Amantha's got a choice to make. That kind of, that thread is kind of still running. Yeah. Jared's doing whatever Jared's doing. Uh, Tawny's trying to figure out her own life and photographing Furbies for yeah, the internet. Exactly. <laughs> you know, Tawny and, and Teddy are trying to connect and they're still struggling there. So that's kind of a continuation of something that we've seen in the past two episodes. Nothing really worth diving in there, even though I feel like that, again, another beautifully written therapy scene with Rebecca and this time uh, Tawny's in the couch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this stuff with Janet, man, in the tire store, with everything that's gone on in their lives, with everything that's going on around them and the ongoing investigation, there's, you know, start to wonder if there's some sort of conspiracy at work. Who is this third party buyer? Until Teddy researches the company uh, that called for Janet and and find out finds out that they represent kind of like big box stores. So it's probably mm-hmm. something as simple as things you and I have seen in small towns across the country, especially me. You know, when I grew up in a small town, uh, Walmart comes in and just buys up land and drives right. family owned businesses out of business. Right. Uh, yeah. But so, you know, this is a decision that Janet's going to have to make when you talked about. So two things here. And you said one of these at the top of the episode or earlier when Janet is having to decide. It seems like she's going to have to decide if she's going to sell this property, which ultimately means she's probably going to have to sell the business or at least get out of it. Um, it certainly frees her up to go to Nashville to be closer to Daniel. There doesn't seem to be anything other than this business tying her to Polly. She, she mm-hmm. is not a member of a book club. She's not, you know, she goes. She went to that diner back in season three, and it was like the first time she'd gotten out of the house. It seems like in ages, other than to go to go to the grocery store. She's not yes. involved in a church. All these things that we've talked about in the past that most Southern women do. And here, here, the other thing that's tying her, other than this business, is her family. I can see yep. a scenario in which she leaves Ted. Yep. Because of the exchange at the end of this episode that she has with Amantha. Yep. When she I, says, I, I yep. grabbed onto him like a life preserver. And I think that I've pulled him under. Yep. Wow. Uh, uh, to me, the best moment of the episode, a huge revelation for her. Yes. Yep. You know, said not a lot happened in this episode, but boy, what a, what a peek behind the curtain for, for this character. Uh, what'd you, what'd you make yeah. of that? 
Yeah, I think that's right. And right before that, as you've already alluded to, she says that she's sitting there sipping her wine and ruminating on the tire business and all the business that goes with the business of the tire business. And all and what that means is, you know, well, the conversation starts with her saying to Amantha, your dad never really liked tires. It wasn't about tires. You know, I, basically she's saying, I don't really have any loyalty to the tire store, to Pauly Tire. And her only loyalty is it's, you know, it's the employment of her husband and her stepson. I love the, I don't want to interrupt you too too long here, but I, I love the line because she says her former husband, when she was referring to him, he was in the family business. Yeah. It was something to support the family. And I I think that's a little subtle dig right at these big box stores and, and and the importance of businesses like this to provide livelihoods for families. Right. I mean, this is what they can do. It can be generational, right? Yeah, you don't get the sense that Teddy and Ted have any great love for tires either. It's like they married into this business and they're going to make Ted came up. Yeah, Ted came along and married Janet. She owned a tire store that she, you know, got when her husband had a heart attack and he stepped in and ran it and it seems like it's been, you know, decently profitable. Um I don't know who will you know, if it's going to be a big, you know, discount tire chain or something like that, that it's going to come in and buy it or whatever. It, it probably doesn't really matter as long as there's nothing sinister behind it. But yeah, I think she kind of senses that the tire store might be the last thing keeping her marriage together. And if she sells it, what do she, what are, what, what you know, like, what's she going to do if they sell the tire store? Are she and Ted going to buy an RV and like spend their retirement at RV parks? No, because all she wants is to be around Daniel, whom she has not seen, you know, whom she could not be near for 18 and a half years. And I got to tell you, you got Furby kid. I mean, you got a 15 year old kid up in the attic photographing Furbies, which is either for eBay or some sexual fetish. Stop it. You know he's selling that stuff on Stop It. (laughs) And he's getting completely ignored. Like his mom is totally, completely MIA. She she would rather move. She I mean, honestly, there's something edible going on between Janet and Daniel that I'm tired of. Like here we go. I'm sick of it. Am I wrong? I well, I don't know, man. I listen, this is a huge, I mean, what a again a great premise for a show. We, they talked about this and we talked about this with Michael and Graham, like the ripples, there's an event and the ripples that come out from that event. And I, who's to say how anybody could or should react when your son has, you've been away from your son because he's been unjustly locked away and on death row for 20 years. Like we don't know if it's unjustly and how far, <laughs> how, how uh how far in time are we into this if for us it's right it's been four seasons but in real time in the show are we just a couple of months since he's been released like this is yeah, all it very has been fresh much. for her so yeah yep. yeah maybe there's something but it's also like completely believable i think she would move there but does daniel want her there i don't think so will ted go with her there hell no 
Uh, well, maybe, but probably not. Uh, he seems like he'd prefer just to stay in Pauly. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, it's killing her. She finally gets through to him and yep. tells on the phone and tells Daniel that she's coming to Nashville, basically hell or high water. Daniel's not against the idea. I mean, he's Daniel's just kind but of very I mean, practical. He's I, like, look, again, I'm, I'm working. I'm on my, I'm, you call me on my break. Yeah, if you I'm come, doing let's great. have a meal. But, but yeah, what I she says, but dude, what she says craving. is somewhat creepy. What's that? She, I just need to see if you're real. I need to touch you. I mean, if I were a 36-year-old man and my mom said that to me, I'd be like, stay the hell away from me, you creepy old lady. You need but to touch you say me. That? Come on. Listen, hey, I listen, my mother told me recently, you know, we're in the midst of COVID, all this kind of stuff, uh, that she was talking to some friends and she was like, I just need to go see my children. Like talking about coming to visit me and Amy. She was like, I just need mm-hmm. to, as they say in the South, I need to lay eyes on them. So, you know, I get it, but yeah, Daniel, like it's probably not weird to Daniel because Daniel's whole notion of touch and physical space and all that kind of stuff is so messed up anyway. I mean, he's like, sure. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, maybe. Yeah. And that speaking of touch, I mean, he's in this, he's in this interesting relationship with this pregnant woman who Mm -hmm. she's, he's like, are you really pregnant? And she takes his hand and places it on her stomach. And which is a kind of a weird end to that episode, but um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So listen again, Jay Smith Cameron, you know, I would love to to talk to her more about her work, but she's, this was her episode and yeah, um, that, that exchange, that scene uh, in the, when she's drinking the wine and she's, uh, she's still, <laughs> she has the wherewithal to kind of chastise Amantha for drinking, you know, like while she's yeah. getting drunk, it's uh, right. Right. Have you been drinking? Uh, yeah, not as much as you, mother. Yeah. Uh, I think Amantha referring to Janet as mother is one of my favorite things about this show. Um, there's some trivia that's interesting. One is this: this uh, episode is named after a, a, f- a weird film from 1969 called Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice Swingers, about- maybe. Yeah, about two couples. That yeah, they're not exactly swingers. They're more like having affairs and then trying to spin those affairs. It's like it's part of their enlightenment. But man, I mean, it had Natalie Wood is in it. Elliot Gould is in it. It was like an all-star cast. Robert Culp. I mean, yeah, it's crazy to look back at that film. And also, I love the reference in the episode because Teddy's like. That's just some weird film I saw. Just yeah, right. Just some weird like, film. <laughs> yeah, and then um, I looked up the book that I did a little screen grab and looked up the book that Daniel is reading on his work break. Oh, what look his at mom you. calls. Yeah, it's called what Zen it? Zen Mind Beginner's Mind Informal Talks on Zen Meditation and Practice. Uh, wow. came Deep out in 20 came out in 2011 and it's considered one of the great books of american zen buddhism uh one of the great like in- intro guides um oh no i'm sorry it, it it came out no no it came out about 50 years ago that was a reprint you know a, a reprint edition see 
So this is why yeah. this is why Ray McKinnon needs to come on this show and talk to us. Who else is going that deep? Screen grabs, book titles, and of course that's yeah, what Daniel's reading. Yeah. Come on. Everybody out there, including our one listener <laughs> who knows him. You know. No, I mean, I'm hoping, I know we have more than one listener. I just am saying we have one listener who knows him and like yeah. has his phone number. <laughs> listen, listen, I've been listening to the to the Smartless podcast, which is the uh-huh. Jason Bateman, uh, Will Arnett, Sean Hayes podcast, and it's it's such a sweet, funny forty five minutes uh, every week, and they refer to uh, listener. <laughs> you know they have, they have tons of uh, a huge That's audience, good. but they say our our listener would like to know. Uh, yeah. Well, we're starting well, to wrap it up. It's um, so surreal. We're gonna have Scott Teams back on. He's been he's been gracious enough. This will be his third trip to the podcast. Uh, yeah, that'll be in about two weeks, which we're yep. looking forward to. Hopefully Luke Kirby before the the series is up. And then obviously we say a prayer every night for Ray McKinnon to come on for the finale, but we're going to, we're going to temper the expectations there. But yeah, Tony, we're the, the light at the end of the tunnel is growing brighter every week. It is. The train is speeding toward us. It is through the tunnel. All right, everybody. Well, thanks Thanks for listening. Yeah. (laughs) Stay safe. Take care. Been a fun ride. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. 404. Bye-bye.